You're listening to episode 96 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about the medicine for living in an uncertain world and the three-day effect. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Aloha, Rebels! I've been hosting some friends visiting me on the big island. I'm Tan AF because when people visit the island, I see that they want to sit in the sun a lot. Whereas when you live here, you often try to find the shade. So I've been hanging with them. And oh my gosh, I haven't been this dark since before I lived in Alaska in 2011. I feel like I look Filipina again, (laughs) which is awesome. So anyway, I was hosting my friends. And as you may know from last week, I had had a fairly stressful week prior and going to nature really healed me. And I want to dive deeper into that today because being in nature over the three days was super important. And it reminded me just of so many other tools I've learned over time that helped me simplify my life and calm my mind to manage in this like uncertain world that we live in, in these uncertain times, right? Because I can just sense that there's tension (laughs) in the air. You know, it can always be there sometimes more than others. But lately, I've just been really noticing it because I've been traveling a lot. And I think that, you know, it's even more prominent when we're traveling. But man, I've traveled for decades and things are different now. And not just in traveling, but in the world in general. So I want to tell you something. I can tell so many humans are on edge right now. Yeah. My friend's kids in elementary school are thinking about the Russo-Ukrainian war and are asking about World War III after two years of a pandemic with added stressors. People are even more impatient, more afraid, and it seems finding it harder to be kind. Now, all this seeming uncertainty about the world has been going on since before the pandemic and before this recent war. There have been invasions by the U.S. and other Western nations into other countries that got a lot less airtime than this current conflict, but they've been going on. There's been unrest and epidemics all over the world at any given time. And I'm saying this not to diminish what's going on right now, which is horrible, but to remind you that what I'm going to talk about today can be a benefit at all times because there's never any predictability and guaranteed security. And this doesn't have to cause us to live in fear. It's just the nature of the way things are. Impermanence, right? It's a law of nature. So when we know this, what can help us feel safe, calm our nervous systems, and not spiral into feeling helpless and overwhelmed, especially now with these challenges so pronounced? How can we best navigate and stay connected to our humanity amidst all this? 
And there's a lot of resources in past episodes of the podcast, but today I have some tried and true and evidence-based suggestions here, and I hope they help you find your center amidst this wild, uncertain world we live in and have been living in, okay? So these are things that I implemented before the pandemic and then later found to be super helpful during these more recent times. So one of the first things I want to recommend when it seems like shit's hitting the fan all over the place is a news cleanse. We can get overwhelmed by the news. As humans, our brains didn't evolve over millennia, incorporating knowledge of the entire world and its issues. And hearing about the world's tragedies and seeing vivid images of war crimes are relatively recent phenomena, coupled with the rise of television and mass media. David Strayer, who's a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of Utah, he studied the attention networks of the brain, and he says that our attention networks get overwhelmed in our day-to-day lives. And I'm sure you all noticed this before the research, right? And this is not just by news that we receive, but the emails and the pings and the notifications. I mean, You know, the journalist Florence Williams, she points out that people were complaining about this kind of overwhelm in the early 1800s. Like William Woodsworth, a poet of that time, said, you know, oh, like all the issues about, quote, getting and spending. And he also said, the world is too much with us. And that's pre-internet and TV. (laughs) So yes, we weren't quite wired for all this to be absorbed and processed in the way we're currently inundated. It takes time to adapt to change in the evolutionary sense. And a lot is happening very quickly in regards to how much information's coming our way and what's demanding our attention. Now, I want to emphasize here that knowing this doesn't mean we ignore suffering or tune it out. It means we allow it in intentionally and practice self-care to manage it. Otherwise, we do end up trying to resist it or we get overwhelmed by it, which leads to ineffective action or no action. You know, I really miss the days I had as an unplugged climbing guide. Like I'd go 30 days without any news. And then we'd come out and catch up. And this looked like hanging out with some friends on a couch watching CNN, right? Like at whoever's place was we were crashing that night. Or just hearing news passed on to us since we were always on the move seasonally and didn't get a paper delivered to us. Or just listening to the radio as we were driving from one climbing crag to another, right? And I remember summiting a peak with a group of Outward Bound students after, it was probably like 18 days or so in the field. And we were in the groove of the wilderness and our small patrol. That's what we called our small groups. And at the summit, we saw a pair of climbers, right, that had reached the top and they were getting ready to head down. And the students were so stoked to see someone else after just hanging with only our group for weeks. And one of the climbers said, hey, did you hear about Jerry? And he was breaking the news to my group that had been unplugged until that point that Jerry Garcia had died. And suffice it to say, a large part of the group was sufficiently bummed out. But that's how they found out about it, right? And it was days after the fact. 
And I heard about the recount of the 2000 election while guiding in Nepal. Like someone passed the news to me on the trail. They're like, hey, you Americans still don't know who the president was. And I was like, wow, really? Oh, okay. I didn't know. that. And I didn't know about 9-11 until three days later after coming off a kayaking trip in Baja. So you see, to me, it seems it was okay that I learned about things not at the exact same time it occurred or even on the same day. You know, media has been a powerful force of social change and real-time reporting of news changed the face of past and future wars. And in my opinion, it's okay if we're a few days behind. We need a break from hearing the hard things, from the worry and anxiety. So a news cleanse periodically can be great. And when you're not on a news cleanse, it's good to have some discipline around how you allow in news, like trying to limit how much time and the myriad places you spend scrolling about the news. I like to choose one or two reliable news sources that do fact checking and have a good reputation worldwide to be less biased than other sources. So not just approved by those in my bubble, right? And go to those for a summary of the news. I took a mass media class at UC Santa Cruz called Mass Media and Communications. And one aspect of the class was learning how to assess quality data in the media and check for accuracy of the sources that they use. And I think this is a lost skill. So many of us already have a lot on our plate too. So it's hard to like, fact check the fact checking. So narrow down where you get your sources and make sure it's not just because it's a source that agrees with you, but one that's been proven journalistically to have integrity. And there's not that many out there. Okay. So also try not to check the news every day. (gasps) Shocker, right? Or at a minimum, check it once a day and definitely not first thing in the morning. More on that in a bit. And please don't doom scroll. It can be really tempting to find out what other messed up things are happening in the world because we think that, you know, we can plan for it or protect ourselves from it, but it can also be overwhelming. So try entire weekends without news or only checking on news three times a week or not checking it at all for a week or two. You know, the world will still keep happening and you'll be able to catch up and you can still help and take action even if you hear about it later. And you'll likely take more effective action with the improved resilience that comes from breaks. Another thing we can do is to regularly practice a social media detox. I know y'all have heard this before, but it's often actually hard to do. You know, a lot of people in Freedom School even are not on social media intentionally. And the Facebook group isn't as active as it used to be. And that's okay. Like, I want my people to feel like they're not missing out if they want to opt out of social media. So look, you can totally have control here and start small. You cannot get on social media or even better, delete your social media apps for however long you like a week, a day, half a day, anything will make a difference. I highly recommend a day minimum, but you decide. It all helps. I mean, imagine what it could be like to spend an entire day present with who you're with, what you're eating, the beauty around you without constantly checking your phone. 
And the benefit of doing this for a longer period of time is that you'll be able to move past the initial phase of anxiety of FOMO, that you're missing out on stuff or that you'll lose your friends or something if you don't like their posts. And you'll get to drop in more to where you're at, what you're doing and who you're with right now. Next, and this is huge, I highly recommend to stop checking email first thing in the morning. I am so guilty of this. I like go to pick up my phone and then I go to turn it on and then the notifications pop up and I'm just like, I have to really work on stopping myself from checking email first thing in the morning. And now, now I've sort of got more discipline around it, but this has made a huge difference in my day. You remember last week's episode about alignment? Well, when we check email in the morning, first thing, it can throw us out of alignment for the rest of the day. Think about it. Before, we didn't have this thing where we turned it on and could potentially hear devastating news or stressful news. Like I actually have like email anxiety because of this. Like I see an ambiguous subject line from someone I'm working with or the first few lines of the email I can see on my phone don't seem like it'll go well. I start to get anxious, right? And I've found out super stressful news via email, like things from attorneys threatening frivolous lawsuits or an internet troll. Or I mean, I even found out about my mom's death via Facebook Messenger. So before we allow outside news and communication to enter our mental space, it's a game changer to first practice our self-care to put us into alignment. Then whatever arises, we will be more able to respond with more clarity and wisdom and compassion more skillfully than had we not first gotten into alignment. Plus, checking email first thing is opening the door to stress and other people's needs before meeting your own. So what would you do instead of checking email first thing? I want you to check out episode 81 on the importance of a daily routine for some tips. But in the meantime, some ideas are you could start off the day with three gratitudes. When we start off with recognizing where things are actually going okay or really freaking well in our lives, that sets a great tone for our mindset for the day. And if you're in freedom school, you probably have some thought work you're doing. So we also do thought downloads and practice our new thoughts and beliefs first thing. We can also do some movement inside or outside, walking, running, yoga, and meditation, maybe some journaling. Then we can work on something that energizes us or that requires our higher level brain power, right? I always try to do what I love or need most in the morning when I'm fresh and to make sure I get it in exercise in particular. And I'm also a morning person, so I try to do a lot of my content creation earlier in the day. And when we potentially open our email and receive something stressful, it can distract us from the real work that needs to happen that day, right? So at this stage in my life, if I wait until the end of the day to do important things, I have kind of like not as much energy left for more than like a walk or hanging out. And I just want to chillax, right? I did a course with Alex Franzen called Marketing Without Social Media. And if you're an entrepreneur, I highly recommend it. Alex deleted all her social media around, I think it was like 2014 or so, and she survived. So some of the tips I'm giving you here came from what I learned in that class. 
And she recommended to do high level tasks earlier in the day and then to check email and respond to email later in the day. And when I first heard this, I was like, what? What if there's an emergency I need to attend to ASAP? But trust me, what I've learned is there are no emergencies sent by email. Like, do people freak out and want stuff handled ASAP? Sure. But that doesn't make it an emergency. It can wait or they can call. Also, try to make checking email something you do in a fixed amount of time, like an appointment, instead of attending to it throughout like the whole day. And this will be game changing and help you focus too. All right. Next, try turning off your ringer. Look, I have a kid and I still do this. And I say this because I know a lot of y'all are like, oh, but I have a kid and I need to be reached. If your phone has this capacity, I put on my do not disturb feature, but allow for just like a certain uh, or certain types of numbers to ring. Like I enter the certain numbers, meaning like my kid's school will still ring. The number of the family she's with, if she's visiting a friend will ring or my husband. And he pretty much knows to not call me unless it's an emergency because I just don't pick up. He can text me and then I can see it in my own time. When my parents were alive, I'd set it up like that for their numbers too. So in my do not disturb settings, I set all notifications off, right? Except for those numbers that I specified. And when when I was a kid, I feel so old saying this, but hey, if you left the room where the phone was, you missed the call and it was still okay. I mean, y'all, I even remember when you couldn't leave voicemails. It was like you missed the call. Oh, well, you didn't even know you missed the call. (laughs) That person didn't even say anything to you. You couldn't listen to it later, right? Like all was still okay. And I still had friends and a partner and all my fingers and toes and a business I love. So you do not need to answer the phone. Protect your space. And you can teach people that this is how you roll and they won't be as traumatized from it after a while, right? Okay, so my fave thing on this whole list is this final one, to spend time in nature. As you know from last month's episode, time in nature healed me from what was a super messed up week. I felt so down and bummed out and stressed, like everything was going to shit. Then I went camping with friends, which at first felt stressful because I was like loading the car and buying the groceries and making sure we packed everything, printing the permits, finding the spots, setting things up in the heat and yada, yada. But once we had it set up, my friend Michelle and I, we sent the kids to play on the beach and we set up the hammock and the camp chairs and just chillaxed. And I watched the waves, strolled on the beach, watched the kids playing, listened to the birds, the wind, the waves, the rustling palm leaves. And I did not listen to music. I know some of y'all want to bring your tunes into nature, but that's just not my jam. I go to nature to quiet my mind, to heal, to pray. So for me, playing music with speakers in nature is like bringing a boombox into a cathedral because my brain is like so busy and noisy so much of the time that when I'm in nature, it's like the one place I can quiet my mind because the natural world is so damn amazing and entertaining even when we drop into it. Sans external music, yeah? But I've learned to flow with it since I can't control people around me. (laughs) Boo-hoo. And my friends now know to check in if I'm really needing silence or if it's cool to turn on some tunes. And I've learned to be okay if I ask for silence and it's annoying some people. 
And I want to tell you something else I learned from Alex. She told me about the three-day effect. The research about this phenomenon was initiated by a guy named Ken Sanders. He used to be a river guide. And on these trips, he noticed that on day three, there was a shift in the energy of the group. And he called it third day magic. And Florence Saunders is a science journalist I mentioned earlier, who wrote a book in 2017 called The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, healthier, and more creative. And I got a lot of info about the three-day effect from her articles and her podcast series called The Three-Day Effect. She said that Sanders thought this effect occurred because it took about three days to drop into a new reality, like of the experience of nature being more prominent than the old reality you were experiencing. Or rather, it took like two days to shed civilization. So Sanders then talks about his observations to a cognitive neuroscientist, David Strayer, whom I mentioned earlier, who's also super into the outdoors. So for him, Strayer was interested in how this effect might influence creativity since he felt he had some of his best ideas arising after three days in nature. Now, while this was his area of interest, I want to emphasize here that I'm not sharing this with you to have yet another tool to help you be more productive, okay? To not just be a better problem solver. It seems like a lot of Western culture is always like, so will this napping thing or resting thing or psychedelic thing or microdosing thing or nature thing make me more productive? Because then I'm willing to rest if that's the case, right? (laughs) And Yeah, it actually often does help you be more productive, but that is not the point, at least when I'm talking about it right now, okay? Rather, it's to help you be more human, be human, a human being and not just a human doing. Like, why does rest and nature and a peaceful mind have to be justified by productivity? That drives me nuts. Can you tell it's one of my pet peeves? Anyway, so this is Strayer's area of expertise, right? Cognitive neuroscience. So it makes sense that that that's where his brain goes. He's like, if you can disconnect and experience being in the moment for two or three days, it seems to produce a difference in qualitative thinking. So he carried out a study to test what he called the three-day effect and took a group of 28 backpackers and gave tests to them before and after going on outward bound trips. Yes, you heard me, outward bound. And I just love this because I worked for what was then called the Pacific Crest Outward Bound School for 10 years. So what he found was that immediately after a trip, the participants were asked to engage in this game called the Remote Associates Test, or RAT. And it's a word test game. So they give you a series of three words like cottage, Swiss, cake. And you come up with a fourth word that can fit with those words. Like in this case, it's one of my favorite things, cheese. So with this group, they performed 47% better after the trip, which is huge. So Strayer suggests that our frontal cortex, which is responsible for executive functioning, gets a break when in nature, which aids in this increased capacity. From his previous research, he noted that For example, our attention network can get put into overload in our day-to-day lives. Like all those notifications and phone calls and emails we talked about earlier. So when areas of our frontal cortex and attention get a break, it gives other parts of the brain a chance to step in, like our other ways of knowing through our senses and our ability to empathize and think about what we want to create for our future. So the general idea is it takes time to turn off our default way of being, and the three days seem to be a minimum number of days. 
The results of this have actually been shown in other studies with using control groups as well, which means one group gets the intervention, so in this case, going into nature, and the other doesn't. So in a previous controlled study, there was, again, a 50% improvement in the experimental group, in the intervention group, and no significant change in the control group. They did this with a group of vets wearing EEG caps on the Green River in Utah, right? I'm sure they weren't wearing them going through rapids. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, oh, here's another interesting thing. More recently, he found that the area of the brain that's really turned on when we perform cognitive tasks quiets down in nature, but not if you're using your phone at the same time. What? Right? So some of you might be like, so how much of this is because they're on vacation and just super happy and rested? Good job, scientists. Good thinking. There are some older studies, like one by Terry Hardig, that did studies with some people in nature on vacation and others doing more urban-type things on vacation, like um, sightseeing, architecture, and things like that. And there was improved cognitive performance with the ones who had their vacation in nature. I think they were backpacking, but not with the ones who were on vacation sightseeing, for example. Okay? So, look. I get that a lot of these things aren't necessarily convenient, especially at first, like I mentioned earlier, the packing for the three days in nature without the phone, the getting inspired and then wanting to write a post about it, but choosing to refrain. Like I've learned to jot these ideas that come into mind when I'm in nature because there's a lot of them. I jot them down so I don't forget like in a small notebook, right? And I get that most people are on social media on weekends and nights and check email all those times too. As of 2020, the average daily social media usage of internet users worldwide was 145 minutes a day, which is up from 142 minutes the previous year. And phone use, you know, people on average interact with their phone, tapping, clicking, swiping, typing, freaking 2,617 times each day. And that's just the average It goes up to 5,427 interactions with the phone when it comes to heavy users. I mean, it seems mind-boggling, but when you think about it, people are on the phone, even on dates. I'd be like, uh, no, but people do it at red lights, while driving, while walking, while waiting in line. I mean, yeah, so it seems like a lot, but I guess I can see how it's possible. But look, just because this is the trend, the status quo with time spent on social media and on phones increasing each year, it doesn't mean that you have to live your life like that, especially now, especially when so much in our world is uncertain and unpredictable in a much more in-your-face way than it may have been before with the pandemic and the Russo-Ukrainian war, like a war that is Europe's biggest war in decades We need these practices more than ever. We need to unplug, cleanse, take care of ourselves, continue our practice, continue to take breaks from the news and pings and rings and electronics. We'll need to do this to be as resilient as possible. And yes, it will help you be more productive and creative, but that's also not the freaking point here right now, okay? The point is to help you be more of a human being than a human doing. And in that way, Maybe we can show up with more integrity, more kindness, because wow, do we need more kindness right now, yeah? So I'd like to invite you 
to pick at least one suggestion above and implement it for a day. News cleanse, social media detox, turning off your ringer and notifications, stop checking email first thing in the morning. Better yet, go into nature and spend at least three days there regularly. Make it as easy for you as possible. Have a kit packed for your three days in nature. Like if camping's your thing, have it all set up in a bin to just easily toss in your car. Have a fixed menu you bring with quantities so you don't have to stress about meal planning. Have your favorite places Book them in advance, especially these days. Like I used to be able to plan a three-day trip in the Sierra at the last minute, and now I have to plan months in advance. So plan in advance. Get it on the schedule because if you wait till you're maxed out, it'll feel even more overwhelming to try to get a permit and do all that and get out. Just plan regular trips. And if camping isn't your thing, find a getaway in a beautiful spot close to nature so you can go into nature. Like don't turn on the TV. Don't turn on the radio. Leave your phone off. You will survive and eventually you'll crave it. Rinse and repeat, right? And like I said, do this regularly, like regular exercise, like brushing your teeth. Just make it a part of what you do to live your best life and take care of yourself in this wild new world. All right, Rebels, have fun in nature. Have fun unplugging in big and small ways and being more present with whomever you're with, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, right? It all matters and it all, whatever you choose to do to whatever degree, it will help you cultivate a more simple life, a calmer mind, which we really need right now. And get ready for next week because we're going to talk about psychedelics and spiritual practice. Juicy stuff, okay? All right, Rebels. Talk to you later. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.